Hello, and welcome to Control Alt Delete, the podcast that's timeless even in retirement. That's a good one. <laughs> that one comes from at Stan Lemon on Twitter. His avatar is a lemon. Perfect. I love it. Anyhow, I am Eli Patel, I'm the editor chief of The Verge. I'm joined as always by my friend, executive editor of The Verge, editor at Larger Recode, Walt Mossberg. How's it going, Walt? It's going great, Eli, and I think the listeners should know that you are making a tremendous sacrifice this week for Control Alt Delete. Because you, I'm located in the studio, in the office where I'm hard at work, but you are actually podcasting from Downton Abbey. Is that correct? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm hidden away in English. Which no, is no, no. what we, we call, that's Neelai's estate in uh, <laughs> some mountain in New York. It's Downton yeah. Abbey. You know. It's my mountain lair. That's what it is. Right. Uh, no, look, I'm on vacation, but I have to say this is not... This is what I would want to be doing. This is this is like the the most fun I get. But I will say, in an effort to find a suitable spot to record with, you know, the right audio quality and lack of echoes, I am hidden in a closet right now in my house. So, if you feel if I if I seem tense, it's because the walls are are closing in on me as we go through the podcast. Although, wait a minute, I I do have to say, anybody that's watched Downton Abbey knows that a closet in Downton Abbey is not exactly a closet in your house. <laughs> listeners yeah. he he's he's he, they could probably have a dinner for eight in that closet whatever i will say it's bigger than most apartments in new york but that's not saying yeah. a lot not saying a lot no this is an exciting week i mean i'm super excited to do the podcast it's galaxy s8 review week galaxy s8 review week yes so walt you review the galaxy s8 they sent you a massive box with all the stuff uh, yeah, unbelievable. dan seifert uh, also reviewed it the big Verge review. They sent him a, a smaller box, I believe. But Walt, you got the you got the big Walt Mossberg review box. I think you got both sides of the phone. They gave you the VR, but you just reviewed the phone. You focused yeah. on what it is. I I just pulled the phone right out of that giant box and left everything else there. There's like a be- beautiful pair of headphones. There's the VR stuff, and yeah, I they just, went all out. That's it. There's a car coming shortly for you. I think yeah. they're, they're, they're yeah. all out with Samsung. And the reason yeah. that it's such a big production. Uh, is Samsung's last phone, obviously, we've talked about it forever on the show. It was the lead of every review that I read. The Note exploded. So Sam, this is their big comeback. We can innovate. You know, we're not, the phone's not going to explode. But then there's a lot of hardware, software innovation on this phone, too. And for the first time, I think, with Samsung, it, it, it felt pretty cohesive. But you take it away. What do you think of the phone? So the first thing to say is I can't promise you this phone won't explode, but I think that they took great pains, uh, obviously, to try to make sure that wouldn't happen. They were very conservative in terms of the size of the batteries they used. They did a big publicity tour about all their new uh, safety stuff, and um, I think our listeners know that this isn't even exactly this isn't even the same model line of phone as the one that did have the problem. The other thing that you do when you have a bad product situation like they did is you want to make a big statement with your next kind of flagship premium type product. And they did that here and they did it in what I thought was a really uh, innovative way, which was they figured out a way to put a big screen in a body that is much smaller than you would think could handle that screen. Uh, And that's what they did in the Galaxy S8. And I think that's by far, by far, the most important new feature in it. It's the most important, maybe the principal reason you might want to buy it. The screen is curved glass, which they've done a couple of times before. 
I thought stupidly, to be honest, the way they did it, they tried to use the curved sides of the glass to, you know, put different kinds of content in it. It was ridiculous. <laughs> First time they tried it, you had to like tilt your head to read the, you know, the bulletins yeah. that were running up the side. It was crazy. Well, this they had the stream that you would leave your phone over there and just glance at the. It, it just yeah, didn't make it, any it sense. just didn't make any sense. But this one really does make sense. The glass is curved at the edges, just at a beautiful subtle angle, in such a way that it seems to melt into the body of the phone. But it's all usable. I found no accidental touches on it, but I did find that I could do deliberate touches on it. And by the way, they've kept some of. You can slide in from the side and still. If you want, use shortcuts. I mean, Samsung is a company that comes up with a zillion terrible software ideas, and they never, ever leave them out. They're all still accumulating in the phone, but they just stop talking about them. And this is one of those. They're, it's there. You won't find anything about it in any of their publicity. Back to the screen, though. Um, what makes it so special? It covers 83% of the front of the phone. How did they do that and make it bigger and make it comfortable to hold? They cut way back on the bezels. They took away the physical home button and made a virtual haptic, tactical, uh, tactile button uh, that uh, sometimes, is, depending on the app, is completely hidden, but you can still find it because you can feel it. And they made the phone narrower. They changed the aspect ratio of the screen and the phone. So so uh, it's now, what is it, 18.9, two, two yeah. to one? And yeah, but everyone says 18.9 because that's, that's the cool way. Yeah, it sounds – and regular, <laughs> like your, your, your iPhones and your Google Pixels and, you know, most of the other phones are, what, 16.9, which yeah. was an aspect ratio chosen for uh, uh, video. This is chosen to say, hey, we've got this huge screen in here. It's really comfortable in your hand. And the way they did it was it's taller. I mean, we can use numbers while we want, but basically what it is is it's taller. If well, you the, the, it, there's, some, there's some history here, right? When yeah. Samsung first did <laughs> – Samsung's biggest innovation and <laughs> biggest uh, is making the screens big. So the I, the first iPhone came out. They kept the screen size the same for a long time. Right. Apple was very ideological about it's you got to be able to use it one-handed. Samsung started doing the big screens. They became very popular, very fast. People love big screens. Apple responded uh, with the iPhone 5, which was taller. And they yeah, didn't make it the bigger. Same, they just made it taller. Same basic idea, yep. And then Samsung kept winning with the big screens or doing very well with the big screens. And Apple had to respond with the iPhone 6 which is and 6 Plus, which are much bigger. They've kept that design now three generations to this, the 7. And Samsung's response to that is to make it taller. So you can there's there's a little bit of a yo-yo in design going. Yeah, on absolutely here. right. And that's absolutely right. And actually, although I think we have to be honest and say we don't know for sure. If you believe the rumors about the super duper tenth anniversary iPhone coming out in the fall, it looks from renderings and things that are floating around the web like maybe it'll Maybe it'll be this kind of aspect ratio. I don't know. But the point is, when I tested it, and they didn't give reviewers a lot of time to test this phone, um, the overwhelmingly most important thing about it is it's a big screen. 
you can there's a lot of content you can see on that screen there's a lot of if you're watching a movie you you get to see a you know a very full screen experience and and if you're doing much more mundane things which frankly is what you do more often on a phone you have a longer list you have more of a web page you have all that kind of stuff and yet you can hold it in your in your hand and that is the big deal and it's great but there's there are some big butts involved in it yeah big which is like the samsung story right yeah uh, always the, the hardware always. here is spectacular <laughs> i and i, I do want to emphasize that the hardware piece of this uh i played with dan's review units for a little bit while he was in the process of reviewing it the hardware is spectacular the only thing i would nitpick is the placement of the fingerprint sensor no that's not a nitpick that's a yeah. really stupid decision. Yeah, it's the, not great. What, you can't I, – I, I would not say the hardware is spectacular. I would say the screen really? and the size, What I, everything I just finished describing is spectacular. It's a wonderful phone to hold and to look at. I would think they wrecked the, the spectacularity of the hardware by doing a truly stupid thing with the fingerprint sensor. Yeah, which it is doesn't, yeah they put it next to the camera and that's not a putting it on the back is fine I own a pixel Google pixel you do too yours yours took way yeah. longer than mine to get there but <laughs> you, you, you I don't know why mine just showed up yeah. uh, but well, yours, there's a real theme here Walt showed up right yeah. Walt pixel showed up right away he got the big box the s8 <laughs> meanwhile I'm stuck in a closet it's no good <laughs> no good at all uh, but you're the editor-in-chief I don't know anyway um <laughs> The, Am I? The, so the Pixel fingerprint sensor is on the back, and that's not a problem. Your finger actually naturally goes right about where the fingerprint sensor is. The problem on this one is it's a tall phone. They put it way at the top. Your fingers, obviously, people have different length fingers, but for the most part, I mean, Trump would have a big problem with this, but for most people, <laughs> average. Oh, man, Walt, you're going out with a bang, man. Average hand size. <laughs> You're going to have to really stretch to reach it. It's very narrow. It's kind of a it's kind of a it's like the phone in a way. It's a narrow tall sensor and instead of a large round thing. It's right next to the camera lens. So, you know, I yeah. hit the camera lens, I don't know, one out of four times or something. And I registered two fingers, uh, two index fingers. Uh, it's also on because it's not centered Depending which hand you're using, you may have to reach over the lens to get to it. It's if you're a lefty, it's not great. Um, and I also found it didn't work. And in fact, let me expand. Wait, on you that. found that it didn't work? That's the first I've heard of that one. Oh no, it didn't work. It huh. didn't work. I, 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 I actually they have three biometric unlocking methods on this phone. They have a face recognition one. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. And I think Dan also found it didn't work, even though it worked really well in the kind of at, – at the announcement where they gave – in the hands-on area, I think both Dieter and Dan thought it worked – or maybe it was just Dieter thought it really worked well. It was and very Dan, fast in the demos when they launched it, and it was – it's significantly slower with the review units. Yeah, I mean to me, I don't know whether it didn't work because it didn't recognize my face or it just was taking so long that it was just easier to type in a pin or draw a pattern. Yeah. Um, so that didn't work because to me, if it's too slow, it d- might as well – it doesn't work. Then there's an iris scanner which worked sometimes. But in order to make it work, 
you had to open your eyes really wide like you were at the eye doctor or something. Uh, it was crazy. And then it was super slow, same deal. It, it might have worked in you know 90 seconds or it might just never have worked, but who was going to wait around and figure that one out? So I, I put that one down as, ah, it doesn't work. So And then the fingerprint thing does, didn't work. So I got into the phone, and you know how often you do that all day, particularly when you're testing. I got into the phone every time by just typing a pin or yeah. dra- drawing a pattern. That's not good. But when you talk about spectacular hardware, the screen and the aspect ratio and the comfort level and the boldness of the design and, the, and the, that whole business is wonderful and unfortunately, it's marred by the way they solved the problem uh, that arose from the design of what do we do with the fingerprint sensor. I don't right. – I think they told Dan that – or somebody that they couldn't put the sensor in the middle of the back because of something to do with the battery. Uh, and I – Yeah. You know, and nobody, Samsung is certainly not Yeah, nobody wants them to screw right? around with the batteries. So I get it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just way suboptimal where uh, where they have the fingerprint sensor. Yeah, and I and I take that one. I, you know, to me though, what I would say is having seen every Samsung design, and I I have your review of the Galaxy S three here. <laughs> they've come an incredibly long way in terms of fit and finish of these devices, and so the location of the fingerprint sensor is, I think, a big miss. Um, Dan Fromer, the editor and the editor in chief of Recut, actually had a great tweet. He said, "Every review says the design is incredible, and every review says the fingerprint sensor is a miss." Um, so, like, you've got you got to reconcile those two things somehow. But in terms of fit and finish, in terms of iterating on this curved screen design, because you know Samsung's first curved screens they were like a side project. They would put out whatever Galaxy S and then do the the edge version. The edge, yeah. Uh, and now it's it's no more. It's the they've realized what the screen is for is to make the phone bigger, easier to hold. Um, it's not for weird ticker displays on the side. It's 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 for ergonomics and screen size. And they they've just done an incredible job building this phone and this fingerprint sensor. There was uh, a rumor out there. I think Vlad reported on it for us. But there's, there's a rumor out there that they had tried to do what we believe Apple's trying to do and actually. Get it under the display where the virtual yeah, home button right. is. Right, and they couldn't and, quite. Do and they it, couldn't yeah. quite get it. So and ob- this leads to a big question: Is Apple going to be able to figure that out? Don't know. Um, you, and we don't know. But that's. It's just the the hardware here, and you know this is you can read this however you want. I'm sure the the people who love Apple will read it negatively about Apple. The people who love Samsung will read it ne- negatively about Sap- Samsung. Um, but what Samsung has done here is they've sent the benchmark for what this next class of really big phones should be like. And there's been a lot of effort that way. And how Apple responds to it is going to be very interesting, at least on the hardware side. But the bigger problem, and I think you pointed this out, and I think you're much harsher on the software in your review than Dan and Vlad and other people on our staff who've used the phone is, Samsung is still making software. And the software is kind of all over the place. Stop. Just stop. Just stop, Sam. <laughs> what, what did I say at the end of it? Uh, Neela, I said, I mean, look, we've done this before. I'm happy to, you know, just burn them through the rest of the podcast about their software <laughs> if you want. But let us let me be a little more nuanced. First of all, let me agree with Dan. Uh, by the way, Dan's review and mine were largely in agreement. Um, but he was a little uh, uh, nicer to them on the software than I was. And so let me start by being a little nicer. 
the there's there's two kinds of software that they make on these that Samsung makes. Remember, it's an Android phone, and it's not only an Android phone, but it's a full-blown uh, Google official Android phone in that it has the full Google suite of apps, uh, like the Google Assistant, uh, which actually even you know there's a long press on the new home button to bring that up. Um, it has Gmail. It has Google Maps. It has Chrome. It has a lot of stuff on it. Um, it's it's an Android phone with Google. In fact, it's the leading Android phone with Google in terms of sales and 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 uh, share and all that kind of stuff. But there's two so there's two kinds of things they do at Samsung. One is they do they skin Android. And some years ago, there was a lot of very heavy skinning of Android. Um, Android itself, to be fair, was a little rough back then in the UX. It's gotten way better. And Samsung's put, uh, Google's put a lot of pressure on Samsung and other people to pull back on the different skins, and they have. Uh, and so I think in the skinning of Android, it's much more understated. It's much more elegant. I mean, when you used to pull down what they laughingly called quick settings, it covered two-thirds of the screen, and it was terrible icon design and all that. It's much more refined. The note, the way the notifications look, everything is much more refined on that. And I, that's all part of what I would consider the skin. Credit to them. They're differentiating themselves from somebody else, but it's refined looking and it's nice. And it's only taken them, you know, seven years to get there, but they've gotten there. It's like your, it's like your comment on the fit and finish. I mean, I mean, the iPhone had very good fit and finish right away. And it had better fit and finish the next year and better fit and finish the next year. I mean, Samsung, you know, it's a little slower on that. So, but but they have it now. I agree with you. Um, here's the software problem. The software problem is they keep trying to do these duplicative software things that would make them a platform. They are desperate for there to be a Samsung platform. They've This is not new this year. They've been trying this for some years now. Um, they had Milk, which was a music thing, right? Am I right? They have Samsung Pay. They have Bixby, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is their assistant, even though they have Google Assistant, as I mentioned. Um, they are trying to be a platform. I don't begrudge – I mean they have every right to try to be a platform. All I would say to them is you want to be a platform? Make your own OS. You really can't be a platform and expect people to write software for you unless you control the actual software platform and you don't. You don't have a software platform. Well, they do. What you have they, – they, they have Tizen. They have a thing called Tizen. But you notice it's not on this phone and it's not on any of their pre other premium phones. It's on their watches, I yep, think. It's on their and TVs. It's, and it's on their TVs, which are completely hackable apparently. And what, what, somebody came out with a report saying there are, what, 40 gigantic massive vulnerabilities in Tizen that have never been patched? Yeah. Um, and they put it on some cheap phones that they sell in uh, lower income countries. And that's it. So take Tizen and make it as good as iOS and Android. 
I'd, I'd be happy. I think that's great. I think it'd be great to have another one, another big platform player. I think that'd be fabulous. That's yeah. not what they're doing here. They're, they're writing Android apps that duplicate the Google ones that either ship right on their phone out of the box or that you can easily download from Google Play and which interact with each other across brands and uh, you know across phones and and some of them even have iOS versions that interact i mean it's that is an ecosystem genuine and big and it is a platform and uh, so i just think samsung what i said at the end of the column is either stop writing these things or make them sensational that's your choice but you can't be where you are now well the the pushback here is that they were initially crazy and we their their version their skin for android is called touchwiz which is never been a good name right. uh and it's just kept going and going and they've over the years they've they've heard reviewers like you and everyone else say this is touchwiz is out of control it there was one year i think it was the s4 where every time you touch the screen it made water blooping sounds yeah I, it was just like out of control for a while and they've oh they how about the eye tracking back. how about that business yeah, I mean where, they've done where the, feature where they would save battery because they could detect when you weren't looking at the phone, and it, yeah. it completely didn't work. That and then the other feature of it was it could pause a video if you looked away. I mean, it just didn't work. None of it worked. Yeah. But it's all so it's all still there, as Walt is pointing. And out. It is all still it's, there. It's buried it's in the settings. All it's still there. It's almost all disabled by default now. And if you want to go monkey with it, you can go turn it on. Um, but. The features that have worked over time, and there are some. So Samsung Pay, people use it. It's like it's it actually works well, right? And in, in insofar as any of the 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 uh, touchless payment systems for phones work well, it they're investing in it. And this is to me, this is the Samsung story. They they throw a million things at the wall, and they invest in the ones that keep working, and they let the other ones that didn't work as well just fade away in the background and run as processes on your phone. And that's fine, but it's not the kind of focused platform innovation that you can depend on. And I think that's why they struggle with it so much because you never know if the thing Samsung's hyping this year is even going to be you know, iterated or improved next year or just be hidden away or turn into something else. And I think they're getting better at it, but this phone still has a bunch of that stuff yeah. Floating around. So I think you have to distinguish between the hardware and the software, and I and and you know they've always been a better hardware company uh, than a software company, and that's saying that's understating it. And and you and then in the software, as I as I said before, you have to distinguish between the skin, the touch touch whiz, uh, and then the apps that they do. There's a big folder of Samsung apps, and then we get to the next software problem, which is for a company of the scope and size of Samsung, both Samsung Electronics, which is a big company in and of itself, but over the overall Samsung uh, uh, conglomerate, which, you know, makes ships and builds buildings and does all <laughs> kinds of things. I mean, really, seriously, if any of the, uh, of the listeners have been in South Korea in particular, they're everywhere and they do everything. I mean, hotels, everything. Uh, it's a very big company. Um, they exercise, from at least from what I can tell from the outside, they they just bend the knee to the at least U.S. phone carriers and probably all the carriers around the world. 
in a way that is ridiculous for 2017. They have a brand that has been damaged but is still a big brand. They have a lot of money, and yet they let T-Mobile, because my my review unit was T-Mobile, I think Dan's was as well, maybe all of them were, um, put a big bunch of junk on the phone. Apple, right from the start, said, hey, you know, you can have this phone. I mean, they did a deal with the devil in the sense that they made it exclusive to a bad network that wasn't prepared for it. But the what they got out of it was, and they still to this day, 10 years later, have out of it is the carriers don't touch that phone. They don't say anything about the specs, and they certainly don't get to load anything on it. And so when, when you open the box, whether it's a small box or the giant box they sent me, whatever, and you turn that phone on, you got a bunch of Samsung apps that are sort of confusing and duplicate the Google apps that you know better. And then you've got a separate folder, which is a bunch of T-Mobile apps. And I just think it's kind of what you want to do is wipe it and put stock Android on it if you can. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that's like hard. And there's at this point, Samsung software is so tied in with the hardware in many different ways that that, I mean, there's a obviously a rich community of people who root the phones and do all kinds of things with them. But it's as Samsung and Google do their dance, and they every year you can watch Samsung pull away and pull back to what Google wants with Android. One year it got so bad that um, Samsung had pulled TouchWiz so far away from Android that to get it back, Google sold Motorola. This is a true story. But now the big one, and I think we should talk about this, is Bixby. There's a dedicated hardware button for Samsung's own assistant on the phone. It's not ready by any stretch of the imagination, so the voice recognition doesn't work. You can't say, OK, Google to this phone the way you can with other Android phones uh, and have it light up with Google Assistant. Uh, It's all just waiting for Samsung's version of the assistant to come out. And I think that that's like uh, with this phone in particular, that's the evidence of the break between what Samsung wants its phone and its phone platform to be, what Google wants its phone platform to be. And it's all just right there in a button that doesn't do so much right now, and you cannot remap to do other things. So did you play with Bixby at all? What was your impression of it in its sort of nascent state? Uh, my Yes, I played – there are two aspects of Bixby that, that are working now. One is just a kind of passive effort to help you organize your life and proactively tell you things which is something that you know Google pioneered with Google Now. Apple sort of caught up to it with their uh, way of doing notifications on the on the lock screen. Um, Bixby just looks just like that. I mean, they in their briefings they made a big deal of saying, "Well, the difference between Siri and Google Assistant and Alexa and Cortana, on the one hand, and Bixby is that Bixby is totally focused on helping you do tasks on your phone." And what they have now has virtually none of that, or at least none of that that goes beyond what the other guys do. I mean, you know, you can do a lot of tasks on your phone with Siri, to be honest, and it will tell you the baseball scores or whatever. I mean, so now if you look at – if you hit that Bixby button or you uh, swipe over to Bixby, you see a bunch of cards that look just like the cards – 
except not quite as good as on Google Now. I mean, you know, it'll tell you what your next calendar thing is. I don't even think it tells you what your commute time is. At least I don't remember seeing it. And it will tell you what's trending on Twitter, which I find completely useless. What's trending on Facebook, equally useless. And uh, sports scores, some news, <laughs> some news yeah. headlines. It's I don't Google find Now, that, but not as good, right? But it's new, Google Now, but now is good. The other feature is they built in, and again, this is not new. Other people have done this. Anybody with the Amazon app on their on iOS, you you may not know it, but you have this feature in there. Uh, they have put something into their camera, which when you when you hit the camera app, and if you hit an additional button, and that's part of the problem, you have to hit an additional button. It will. I you can point it at things. You're not taking a picture, but it will identify the object, and it and it will either bring up other images of that object, that kind of object, or it will help you shop for it. So I tested it. Uh, I think I mentioned a bag of Twizzlers, a Kleenex box, and sure enough, in both cases, it correctly identified them. I've done this before, as I say, on some other uh, apps uh, that run on Android and on iOS. And, um, you know, it showed me I could buy more boxes of Kleenex, more <laughs> bags of Twizzlers. Um, the ironic, <laughs> the ironic, your phone. the ironic one was I was just sitting at the desk, like what's around me? Well, there was a box of Kleenex, there was some Twizzlers because I was noshing, and then <laughs> what else was on the desk? A Samsung Chromebook. So I said, "Oh, that's a good one. Let's try that one." So I I tried that one. The logo happened to be upside down. You know, the Chromebook was positioned in such a way that the logo, Samsung logo, was upside down. And so maybe that wasn't entirely fair. But what it did when I took the picture was it, it – and I made sure that in the frame uh, was the Samsung logo upside down, unfortunately, and the Chromebook logo. It came up with a whole list of Asus products. <laughs> so <laughs> – so I t- told the Samsung people this. So then I turned it around because I'm a fair guy, right? Uh, right to the end of the career, I try to be fair. Turned it around so the logo was straight. And then I did it again. This time it came up with Samsung products, but none of them were Chromebooks or laptops. Of course. Samsung remotes, Samsung earbuds, Samsung, you know, whatever. So it got the word Samsung, but it didn't grasp what it was looking at. So that was kind of not a success. But... For, if you're in the market for Twizzlers and Kleenex, it's great. And My you don't sense, know what they look like, and you want your phone to look at them for you. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. So my feeling about this is it's one of those things that demos really well and uh, probably isn't going to be used heavily. I just don't think it will be. It's part of Bixby. We really can't judge Bixby until we see the voice part, until we see the back end. And I should point out, and I know you know this and some of our listeners know this, Samsung did buy uh, a company called Viv, which it was uh, started by the people that invented Siri, even before Apple bought Siri and worked at Apple for a while. Uh, or two of, I think there were three of them and, and two of the founders uh started this company, Viv, and Samsung bought it. I don't know whether they have had Viv long enough for it to show up in Bixby, but I think that's that's the idea eventually. And those guys are smart, and they, I mean, I, they came and 
showed me a pre-release version of Viv before they decided to sell it, and it it was very interesting. And so conceivably, Bix, Bixby could be interesting, but I don't know. And well, don't they, any, and they got to figure out how to roll it out to everyone. I mean, you know, they've got to issue a software update. The, the software update has to go through all the carriers and be. Approved. I mean, not sh- not having it at launch means that they're, the delay that they're imposing on themselves. It. it it's just going to take a minute. They've got to finish it, and then they've got to figure out how to roll it out. Right. Well, they're saying before the end of spring, before June twenty first, it will be available. I don't know what available means. Yeah. And, uh, but, and and look, these phones have, you know, they've got a year. Not everyone who buys a phone is going to buy it tomorrow. So you know, it, it's going to be yeah. fine. But they right. they've certainly put a delay on themselves. Right. This episode of Control-Alt-Delete is brought to you by Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital's online investment platform allows you to invest in solar energy projects across the United States, earn up to 8.5% annually, while also diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution, and combating global climate change. In fact, investors like you financed 40 large-scale solar projects in 2016, offsetting the CO2 emissions from 2.8 million pounds of burned coal. And you can begin investing with as little as $1,000. Best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't charge any investor fees. To learn more, create an account for free at wondercapital.com slash Walt. That's wondercapital.com, wonder with a U, slash Walt, W-A-L-T. Wonder Capital, do well and do good. So here's what's interesting. I, I bring that up as, as a transition because I've got your five-year-old review yeah. of the Samsung Galaxy S3 here. And it has a really interesting headline. Your angle on this review of the S3 from June 19th, 2012 is fascinating. So here's the headline. Galaxy Quest, one phone aimed at all networks. And the way you open the review. Hey, the journal headline writer was okay on that one, I thought. Well, this is all things D. Is this you or the journal? It's the journal. <laughs> it, it, it ran in all things, Steve, but it was orig- originated at the journal. Yeah, got it. So the journal headline, uh, Galaxy Quest. We'll forgive them the pun. It's pretty good. <laughs> um, here is one line just to talk about this, and then there's a part at the end I want to talk about as well. Samsung, the leader in Android phones, is aiming to change what you describe as the often confusing profusion of models. Samsung leader in Android phones is aiming to change that, is rolling out a single flagship model with the same design and features on all four major U.S. wireless carriers this month and next. This was a huge change in the industry, the S3. Before that, the S2, it literally had a different design and name on every single network it was on. Particularly, I remember Sprint, it had a slide-out keyboard and it was just different. Yeah. And, and 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 it had a different name. It was called... I forgot what it's called. It had an E, but I don't remember the word. Oh, yeah. I mean, names. they all had different names. So on Verizon. Like Excelsior or something. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> Literally every carrier had a had a different version of this phone in, like you said, with Sprint, in sometimes dramatic ways and sometimes undramatic right. ways. And then overseas, it was the S2. So with the S3, Samsung did the thing that you have talked about. They put out – they said to the carriers, we're doing one phone on every network. Here's what you get. It's the Galaxy S3. So that was – we don't even talk about this anymore. Five years later, the idea that a company like Samsung or LG or HTC or Apple or whoever is going to do carrier variants has disappeared. 
Yes. Right? So that was a huge win for Samsung with the S3. They changed the nature of the industry that Apple have obviously gotten to first. That's the here, angle. That's the that, angle. So, yeah, that's, that's the right. angle. And it, it worked. Good for Samsung. They got there. Now we're talking about um, the S8. It's the same phone with different carrier bloatware on every on every device, <laughs> but so be it. Then here's the end of this. And this ties into what we were what we've been talking about this whole time. So Walt says, then there are the secondary features of the Galaxy S3. You can broadcast a presentation or photos to groups. You can bump two Galaxy S3 phones together. I tested all these features, and most of them worked only some of the time and took some setup. You can also dial someone with whom you're texting simply by bringing the phone to your ear. This worked for me, but not always. Finally, Samsung has its own version of Siri. The voice to control the system on the iPhone That's called right. S-Voice. It does more than Siri. It can launch apps and turn on Wi-Fi and so on. Like Siri, it doesn't always work. <laughs> so uh, we could have taken this set, this paragraph, changed S-Voice yeah. to Bixby, and glued it right on the end of your <laughs> S8 review. Because that's what we're talking about. They've, Samsung has all of these features, all of these ideas, and they're kind of hit and miss. Has Do you think that... Between the sort of over the five year span here, it's gotten more hit. Like their percentage of it works not on software. I do not agree on software. I, I'll give you Samsung Pay, uh, but I happen to know that they, you know, and you know this too. They bought it. They bought a company called Loop uh, yep. that's based based in the Boston area. I actually reviewed Loop, which uh, they originally made in versions for iOS and Android. Uh, they had a dongle, our favorite thing, and they were hope- <laughs> and they and it required you to have NFC or no, not it wasn't even NFC. It was some kind of coil, some kind of thing that you had to put in the phone. And because the thing about it is, it could not only do a tap to pay like Apple Pay and Android Pay, but it could do could sort of replicate the swipe of a credit card, which is a different electromagnetic situation. And um, in my tests of that, before Samsung bought it, it worked again. Well, it worked most of the time. It worked 75% of the time, let's say. There was some card, you know, there's a million kinds of credit card swipers. Some of them are old. Some of them are not maintained well. Some of them are from sketchy vendors so not all of them you cannot not count on them all being standardized and so it didn't work in some places but it did work uh, even where they didn't support tap to pay and so samsung bought that and that's what they made samsung pay out of uh so i'll give you samsung pay but i don't think in general on software uh they have they have nailed it in any serious way that threatens google or apple uh, to this day, uh, and um, I think their their play is still a hardware play, and I don't think they're a platform company. I don't think that doesn't mean I don't think they're an important company. It doesn't mean I don't think they deserve to have fans. They do, but mm-hmm. they're just not a platform company. By the way, I looked up the uh, list of Samsung Galaxy S two names on AT and T. It was the Captivate. Uh, yeah. They had a. They actually did have a version on AT and T with a keyboard, a slide out physical keyboard. That was the Captivate Glide. On <laughs> on on T Mobile, I think it was just the S two. On Verizon, it was the Fascinate. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And on Sprint, you're gonna love this one. It was the Epic Four G Touch. Oh, I knew it was an E. I knew it was an E. <laughs> <laughs> there was a time when phone names were just completely bonkers. That time is past. Yeah. I kind of miss it. Um, but that 
this is the big difference, right? If you look at the spread over the five years, what Samsung was in the business of with the S2 uh, was taking carrier requests, big binders of specifications, and then making whatever the carriers wanted. And this is how the phone industry worked forever. It is probably why phone, why Apple had such an opportunity to deliver something with fit and finish because the 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 companies that made phones were not responding to consumers they were responding to carriers and the carriers were Correct. selling the network and there was never that connection between what the consumers wanted if you wanted a phone you just had to get what the carrier was going to give you so there was never that connection yeah. apple sees that opportunity i think everyone agrees they did it brilliantly they changed the industry the iphone was a spectacular consumer product that's great over the 5 year spread what samsung has done has They've gone from being a company that works for the carriers to being a company that desperately wants to be seen as a consumer company. They've done an excellent job of that. I don't think you can deny that Samsung has thrust itself into a relationship with the consumer that in many cases is very good. People love Samsung phones. They sell a lot of them. Uh, the I product, agree with you. The, the hardware product has gotten substantially better because of that relationship with the consumer. But then this background of serving the carrier, that relationship is still there, and it drives so many decisions that perhaps on the software side, it can't be as good, right? And that's why you get right. bloatware all over the phone. Well, that's I think it's two get- things. I think, I think the serving the carrier is partly responsible, and I think the desperate desire to be uh, a platform because, you know, Dan did a great piece for us uh, uh, from Korea, from a trip to Korea, uh, South Korea, not North Korea, but South <laughs> Korea. And uh, he was on an aircraft carrier going the wrong. Uh, you way. have to, you have to look. I've, I've, I've done. <laughs> I've gone to Samsung myself a few times, and it was never located, as far as I can recall, in North Korea. So, um, <laughs> but, but when he was there, they said something on the record to him that they have said to me at least twice over the years, but both times off the record, which is our. Our only, I'm paraphrasing now, but our only real goal is to beat Apple. That's really what we care about. And yeah. so, yes, they forge a relationship with consumers. Um, they, they, I think that, and this is me being a psychoanalyst here for a second, which is crazy, but I think part of why they're tr- desperate to build all this software is because that's what a- one of the things Apple does. Apple makes hardware that they have to compete with and... Sometimes they're better, and then sometimes Apple leapfrogs them, and then they leapfrog Apple, and whatever. But, but one thing that Apple does is it has, you know, I don't know, something like iMessage, which is highly addictive. They don't have something like that that's theirs. They do have. There are addictive things on there. They're all Google's or some third-party Android vendor uh, running for the Android platform, not for the Samsung platform. And you can get it on an HTC or an LG or, you know, somebody else's, some, one of the Chinese Android phones. Well, maybe not. The, the version sold overseas, not just in China. So, um, uh, you know, I think part of beating Apple or being Apple or whatever they're trying to do is to have hardware and software integrated, something we've talked about a million times. And they just don't have the software chops to do it. And I think that it's partly because they don't have an OS. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's the part of the, the they don't have an OS thing. I think there's also this history of knowing that to really compete with Apple, you need the big marketing support. 
and they're better at doing the big marketing support deals with the carriers than most of their competitors. Um, and then there's the sort of there, and this I think goes to your point. They need an OS, but they there's what Google wants to do with Android and where Google's going with Android. There's what the carriers want to do and. You know, Verizon demanding that they preload VZ Navigator on the phone in order for Verizon to pay for a bunch of ads. Like that's how those deals work. Um, and then there's what Samsung wants to do. And that's three masters on this phone. I think of all of the carriers or of all of the manufacturers that deal with those three masters and every Android maker has to, Samsung has done the best job of making something great. And obviously there's compromises and obviously there's problems with it. But yeah. I think they, they've really set the standard for how do we balance this out into a pretty good product, if not a great product, minus no, the No, it's a very sensor. good – look, it's a very yeah. good phone. I mean uh, the, another thing that I did that was a little different than Dan, Dan uh, compared it to the iPhone 7, the camera, and he felt, he felt the, the, the S8's camera was better, probably is. But, you know, the iPhone 7 won't be the newest iPhone uh, for much longer. Uh, and I assume the new iPhones, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I assume they'll have different, better cameras. I don't know. I compared it to the Google Pixel, which mm-hmm. our photo shootouts have shown to have, have the best camera. Uh, and um, I still thought the Google Pixel had an edge, uh, a li- not a huge edge. Well, well it, it had, the, the S8 has the edge. same camera as the S7. So they've done yeah. some software stuff, but the... The, the camera is right. largely the same. Right. So this – but but this is – look, this is a very good phone. You're not going to go wrong with it. I uh, We didn't even get into this and we don't have much time. So one of the problems you have when you have a big screen and it's actually still true even though they've done this great job of fitting a bigger screen on a smaller body because they used height, it actually in a funny way exacerbates this problem which is – you need to be able with one hand to reach the top row of icons and the notification shade at the top. And so you have to have a software solution for that. Um, Apple introduced one where you hit the home button, I think, twice, uh, and all of a sudden the top drops down. And the top row of icons is the same size. Everything's the same. It's just, it's just there, just lower, and you can reach it. Samsung's solution is, I think, inelegant. It shrinks the whole phone, the whole image of the of the screen of the phone, to like a corner of the physical screen, and it just looks. It works, but it just looks kind of ugly and it's tiny target. Uh, so it's just they they're just not. I don't know. They just don't have the flair. They have. They certainly had showed tremendous flair in this screen design, body design thing on this phone, and it will set a standard for that. Um, they don't have that flair in software. Yeah. They're, it's a great quandary. Do you think that, not to compare to the S3, because that's ages ago, but compared to the S7 or the S6, do you think it's gotten better? Is this a, an improvement yeah, in the software? Yeah, it, it, it has, because they've restrained themselves more. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, almost the first thing he did when he took over as the head of Android at uh, Google, uh, Sundar, I'm talking about Sundar Pichai, one, almost one of the first things he did was he flew to South Korea to meet with Samsung, and one of his goals on that trip was to rein them in. You know, that, was, that involved, I think, maybe even, that might have even been part of the 
selling Motorola. I can't remember the time frame, but there was a, you know, there was some kind of an agreement cut that they needed to hew a little closer to Android. Yeah. And uh, stop doing this crazy throw it against the wall stuff as much as they were. Yeah. But there's a part of me that, that loves Samsung for just trying everything, right? I mean, that's it's, it's exciting to watch. And I think you and I have interesting positions and relationships with these companies because we get all the stuff, we, we, you know, and then we send it back. But like we get to try it all out. And I think for the yep. consumer, we have to spend quite a bit of money on this phone it's not 750 great. bucks, yeah. Yeah, it's not great to have it constantly throwing stuff against the wall. But in terms of the broad sweep of the industry, I'm glad someone is constantly throwing new ideas against the wall and seeing what sticks. It's It, it certainly makes it exciting to watch. And when the stuff does stick, and I think the curved screen experiment, they really didn't know what it was for when they put it on that first Edge phone. They're like, here's some ideas. Here's, wh- here's where it is. Here's what we can do because we make – the displays for everyone, the OLED displays for everyone, they didn't know what it was for. And their first ideas were, I think we agree, laughably bad. But now they do know what it's for, and they figured it out, and this phone is much better for it. And I think there's, there's some value to seeing that process happen out in the world, but it's certainly better for them on the hardware side than the software side. And I think the big question for Samsung is, can they continue to restrain themselves and do stuff on the software side that provides val- like meaningful value to people over time. And I, the, the, the big test here is going to be Bixby. Can they do something that is meaningfully additive to Google Assistant, competitive with everyone else's assistant? And, and better frankly, than S-Voice. And can they ship it on time? So we'll, we'll have to see. And I'm, uh, you know, that's going to come, and we're going to check it out. Right. I agree. All right. Well, that is sadly all the time. I have to go tend to my estate here, my mountain lair. Um, <laughs> that's all the time we have for this week. I am going to do the Vergecast again tomorrow. Dan is going to be on that show talking about the S8. So if you're interested in the S8, we got way more of that. Um, Dieter actually is taking a break next week. It's Everyone's just in and out. It's that it's, it's spring break time. Um, but anyway, the Vergecast is tomorrow. Check that out. Uh, well, again, more talk about the S8. We have a bunch of other shows for you to listen to. Lauren Good does Too Embarrassed to Ask. That's great. Kara Swisher does Recode Decode. And Peter Kafka does Recode Media, which is wonderful if you're a media nerd. All that's on iTunes. Go to iTunes.com slash Verge. Uh, listen to it. Rate it. Review it. You know. I will say there's only a few more episodes of Control-Alt-Delete because Walt is indeed retiring. So if we could go out in a, a flurry of in, insanely positive reviews, that'd be great. Please. It could be a lasting Please. legacy of this podcast. Think of helping out a retiree, a near-retiree. <laughs> near six stars. Oh, my God. Yeah, six stars. Figure it out, guys. Hack hack the system. Uh, you can also tweet at us. We love your feedback. Uh, Walt is at Walt Mossberg. I'm at Reckless. We also, again, only got a few more shows left. So send your intros. I'm picking the cream of the crop here. Send them in. We love them. Can't get enough of them. And we will be back next week. Thanks so much, Walt. Go out and work the land, Eli. Eli.